Do you wonder how to grow your e-commerce traffic, sales and profit? Welcome to our episode of Talk Commerce, where we dive deep into the strategies and tools for e-commerce success. I am your co-host, Veronica Costello. Our dynamic guest today is a marketing mastermind who is revolutionizing the world of retail one digital course at a time. Get ready to gain an edge in the highly competitive e-commerce market. Oh, and you may want to brace yourself for Brent's latest addition to his, and I use this term loosely, free joke project. If you're liking these jokes, there may be something wrong with you, but don't worry, we all have our quirks. So brew yourself a cuppa, relax, and tune in as we uncover the best industry insights, trends, and challenging questions, all to help you propel your e-commerce business to the next level. But first, we've got a quick word from our sponsors. Great news for the Magento community. Hoofa is now fully supported by Amnesty, the number one Magento extension provider. With a catalog of over 250 Magento products and solutions and a full range of custom development services, Amnesty actively invests in providing compatibility with the Hoofa theme. 33 solution compatibilities have already been released and are available as part of the regular product subscription with no extra charge. And many more new compatibilities are coming. In partnership with Hoofa, Amnesty is focused on providing its clients with high quality extensions, great performance, and a high level of service. Visit Amnesty.com for more details. That's A-M-A-S-T-Y.com. And remember to tell them Talk Commerce sent you. Is your Magento site moving at a snail's pace? Believe it or not, you're in the same boat as 90% of Magento store owners. Let's add a splash of optimism. I recently had a client who revived their site by switching to Hoofa. Their excitement was contagious. Hoofa is more than just a theme. It's like having a secret weapon in your e-commerce arsenal. Picture this, you're crafting an online space that's as vibrant, engaging, and dynamic as your brand. Sounds exciting, doesn't it? That's the Hoofa magic! Performance, top-notch! Usability, smooth as butter! With Hoofa, hitting Google Lighthouse scores of 100 isn't a dream, it's reality! My client and I have been on this exhilarating journey, and I tell you, it's a game-changer! But hey, Hoofa isn't just about turbocharging your performance, it's about putting a personal stamp on your store. The theme is fully customizable. Play around, express yourself, make it truly yours! My client has been having a blast watching their online storefront transform! supercharged by Hufa's powerful features and tools. Ready for transformation? Why not test drive Hufa and feel the difference yourself? Visit hyva.io. That's hyva.io. And when you get there, don't forget to mention that Talk Commerce sent you. Trust me, you're in for a treat. My name is Brent Peterson and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this episode of Talk Commerce. Today I have Jessica Totillo-Coster. Jessica 
Uh, go ahead, introduce yourself, tell us your day-to-day role, and maybe one for of your For sure. So I am an e-commerce and email marketing strategist for Scrappy Entrepreneurs. So I basically took my 20-plus years in retail and e-commerce, and now I teach other small businesses how to grow their traffic, sales, and profit. And I do that you know, one-on-one. I have a membership and then some digital courses as well. And in terms of passion... You know, I would probably say number one is shoes, but to sound like more of a positive human, I will mention my family, my husband, and my cat. (laughs) All right. That's excellent. Thank you for that. Um, So before we get into content, you've been, you were so nice as to uh, volunteer for my free joke project. And today is more of a tongue twister, and we're going to try to get through this, so... I'm just going to tell you the joke, and you can tell me if that joke should remain free or if somebody should pay for it, or if should it, it could go into somebody's newsletter, because it is a readability All right. joke today. So here we go. If two witches watched two watches, which witch would watch which watch? Each witch would watch which watches belong to which witch's wrist. <laughs> Okay, so I do think people should pay for that only because, one, it's funny and I love witches, but two, talk about a tongue twister. I was even struggling to follow. And so I do think it should maybe be in a newsletter so someone can physically read it. All right, I'm, I'll put it in the... I'll, that, one's, that one is has to go in the show <laughs> yeah. notes, I feel like, You too. need to be able to read that one. All right, so um, let's talk about newsletters, and I can say that uh, I have a prolific blog and a, t- a podcast, and I've been so reluctant to start my newsletter, and I don't know why. So tell tell us, number one, why somebody should start a newsletter, and I already know why I should, but g- give us the, the yeah. 101 Well, the on short story is email marketing in general still has the highest ROI of any email marketing activity you can do in your business. So if you think about all the time, energy, effort, money you spend creating content for social media that you put behind paid advertising and all of that, email is sort of the catch-all for all of those other marketing activities and where the majority of the conversion actually happens. So if you're going to do that other stuff and not do email, you're probably missing out on revenue, which should be reason enough to do it, right? But I also tell people, because I work with a lot of small businesses that maybe they're solo or they just have a handful of employees, and I say, look, if you only have time to do one or the other, so I can post on Instagram or I can send an email, I'm going to tell you to send an email because it's probably going to make you more money than that Instagram post that like 3% of your audience sees and then goes away forever. So... If you're not already doing email marketing, you're definitely missing out. And it's funny because the number one thing, and maybe Brent, you're struggling with this too, the number one pushback I get is, well, I don't know what to say. And people think they have to reinvent the wheel all the time, or like email is this mysterious thing, but it's really not. And we overcomplicate it. It's a lot easier, and we can definitely dig into that a little bit. 
Yeah, I think definitely as a former software engineer, I I would always want to make it <laughs> way more complicated. And my wife would tell you the same thing that uh, making it complicated. Interesting, you said uh, scrappy entrepreneurs, and I sit on the board for Entrepreneurs Organization here in Minnesota. And I did a newsletter. For, I'm the I'm the uh, Strategic Alliance Partner Chair, and I actually made a newsletter, and it was super easy, <laughs> and I and I got it out, and so. Yes. Um, so some strategies around content, and, and, I, and it matters, right, for a business that is selling something, and there's blogs, and then there's all kinds of other reasons. Is there, I, I'm assuming there's different strategies for each? There is, but I'd like to simplify it as much as possible, right? Because ultimately, if we just step back and think about what email really is, instead of thinking like about all the little tactics and the ways that we can do it, it just becomes simpler. Um, and the other thing is like you were saying, you did this newsletter for someone else. It was really easy, but to do it for yourself is all of a sudden super hard. Like what's up with that? You know, <laughs> there are so many things I can do for other people or strategize for them and come up with ideas. And then for my own business, I'm like, what? So that's completely normal. But if we just remember that email is a communication channel and there is a human on the other side of that email address who just has a problem to solve, right? Or they need a little joy in their life or whatever that outcome is that they're looking for, the reason why they come to you or shop with your brand. If we just remember that, it becomes a lot easier to create content. And ultimately, I kind of think of content having one of three goals. Either it's to grow your audience, it's to inspire them to buy, or it's to nurture your repeat customers so that they stick around. And I've aptly called that the June method of content creation, because uh, I'm nerdy like that. But <laughs> so email is really where that inspiration and retention comes in the most, especially if you're talking about just one-off campaigns. Automation can get a little bit more into the growing your audience side. But just put yourself in the shoes of that customer and ask yourself, what do they need to hear from me right now? Or what questions do they have about this thing that I sell? What is the outcome that they're looking for? And if you just speak to all of that, they're going to end up buying. And if they don't, mostly it's because they're probably not your customer and weren't going to buy from you anyway, truth be told. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's such a good point. And I've had a number of people come on and talk about newsletters. So talk a little bit about how many you can oversaturate your list right I, and i know that was a warning in the past where they said there's a sweet spot kind of like the bulmer's curve there's a sweet spot in in terms of how many you can and should send and there's a tri there's a trickle down uh or there's a trailing off effect and then an extremely negative effect the more that you send. depends so i used to believe that too and the more that I spend time sending email and looking at people's email and being on people's email lists and learning and testing and all of this is, at the end of the day, it depends. It depends on your audience, your business, what you sell, 
how many people are on your list, and what expectations you set at the beginning. So if you start off sending one email a month, and then all of a sudden you start sending emails every day, you're probably going to annoy your subscribers, right? But if you set the stage from day one and say, I'm going to email you every single day, and if that's not your jam, then go ahead and leave my list, then that can work too. So I don't want anyone to get caught up in the like, oh, I can't send another email because I already sent two this week and I don't want to annoy people, right? Because that just makes the process hard and difficult. And then we start to second guess and the longer you don't do something, (laughs) the less likely you're going to do it. Um, So typically, if you were just kind of, say you're starting a business from scratch and you really don't know where to start, minimum once a week. In my previous day job, we used to send three to four emails a week. I am on email lists. They email me every single day. So it really does depend. For a physical product-based business, I typically say the more subscribers you have and the wider your product assortment, the more emails you can send. If you are a one-product store, maybe you're not going to email every day, right? But ultimately, as long as what you are providing in that email is valuable and you're not just asking people, buy my thing, buy my thing, buy my thing, and they're getting something out of it, it's really hard to annoy people. And if you do, because you will, like you're not pizza, you can't make everybody happy, they're probably not your customer. And there's another email marketer, man, and I can't remember who this was that said it, but they're in the online education space. And they used to think about like, oh, let me segment my audience of people who want to hear from me more often than people who don't, right? And I used to do that kind of thing too. But for them, they've just flipped the script on it and said, hey, I'm providing you massive value by being here. And so if you don't want to be, then you don't have to be. But making it more about the value that they provide versus this person's inbox, which is this little bit of a slippery slope, but I like where they're going. As long as you're providing value, why wouldn't someone want to be there? Yeah, I mean, I I think from my experience, um, I I remember buying a pair of headphones that... um, were for you know running type of headphones and they they might have 10 products and after i bought the headphones i would get a text almost every week and then an email every day sometimes with the same headphones <laughs> i just bought so i think that you know, segmentation yeah. is also important right and, and the more the more you can segment and the more you can target your user the less chance that they are going to uh they're they're gonna uns- i mean i i'm still a huge fan of this company it's just I can't be on their email list because I don't need any more emails. And like, I think one thing you said, too, is buy, buy, buy. If they're not ac- a- adding an additional value, then I'm not going to want to see right, their email Right, And you do, day. like you said, it's a pair of headphones and they're sending you the same thing you already bought, right? That's just lazy email marketing. So you really have to consider the product that you sell, 
the consumption habit of your customer. How often do they come back to you? There are so many little things to consider there and how to create a really great program because you do ultimately want to put them first. I just don't want it to hinder your there was someone too on Instagram. So me and a couple of my email friends, we were just DMing about this and we were like, we need to start a round table of all the lies they tell you on the internet. But this person was saying, you know, don't email your list that often because you're going to annoy them. And yeah, if you send them not good emails, <laughs> but instead of just a blanket statement of don't send too many Let's talk about how we can make those emails more valuable so that they want to actually receive them. And how about the strategy of if there's low engagement, you don't send them as so many emails because they're at risk of being, they're, they're at risk of unsubscribing. Is there strategies in terms of making sure you're segmenting your list and giving the right amount to the people that are engaging. And once maybe they open an email, then you might move them into a different segment to send them yeah, absolutely. one extra. So typically the number one thing I advise people is to not get emotionally attached to your email list. And if someone stops engaging with your emails or unsubscribes from your emails, it's not a personal attack on you, right? They have this whole entire life that they have to deal with, and maybe this is just not the time for them. I mean, I've unsubscribed and resubscribed to multiple different brands, educators on the internet, depending upon where I'm at in my life or when my inbox gets too full. And <laughs> it's stressful to see that little red dot all the time. But typically, your most engaged people are the ones who have been active within the last 90 days. So usually I will have my engaged segment. Those are the people that have opened and clicked in the last 90 days. And that is the segment that I'm really sending everything to, unless of course I'm excluding certain people for certain reasons, right? But that gets a little bit more complicated. Then you've got that unengaged list. So typically once they hit that unengaged segment, we'll have an automation that's sort of a win back to see if we can get them to re-engage. And you know, what you do after that is really up to you. Honestly, for me, I just clean out those people off my list and move on, right? Because I don't have time to try and convince you to care about what I have to say. I've I want to pour all my energy into the people who already are there and engaged and for the people who have yet to experience me yet. But you can always try some other different tactics. And sometimes it's a pattern interrupt, right? Just because they are not engaging with your emails doesn't mean that they're not paying attention to you somewhere else. So maybe this is where you send them a direct mail piece or you can sync those email addresses over to Facebook and retarget them with an ad and see if you can warm them up that way. But you don't want to continue to send emails to those unengaged people because it will hurt your deliverability overall. Those email service providers, Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, AOL, do people still use AOL? I don't know. But they want to see people opening and clicking your emails. And if you have a large percentage of people who are not doing that, they will eventually stop delivering your emails. So you do want to be careful about that. 
Um, so uh, just a little bit more on segmentation, and I like what you said about uh, about the patterns and trying to engage them in other ways. Uh, the strategy of, of running a Facebook or if you're B2B, maybe running mm-hmm. a LinkedIn campaign, uh, just taking that list and, and then applying that list directly to your platform and then targeting those users directly on that list, I, w- I would imagine is a... It's not a cheat. It's not a free way to do it, but it's certainly a yeah, absolutely. Way to do it, Look, right? you know, we think, and I mean, I am completely victim and guilty of this as well. But we have to remember that we're just not that important to our customers, right? They have lives, families, jobs, kids, all of these other things. They're just not paying that close of attention to us. So if we have to work a little bit harder to get their attention and kind of bring them back into our orbit, then that's what we have to do as a business owner. And that's completely normal and it's no reflection on you. And even when you're talking about e-commerce, for instance, people are shocked to hear that the average car abandonment rate is 68%. Well, because as humans, we just have a bajillion, and yes, it's a technical number, a bajillion other things that are happening to us or that we're thinking about at any given time. So, you know, the fortune really is in the follow-up. And if you can, like I said, just break that pattern a little bit of how they're just always used to seeing you in one place and you kind of pop up and show up somewhere else, um, that could be the thing that gets their attention. Um, just really quick on transactional emails because I think those those are very effective, especially if you've left something in the cart. And uh, I've many times have gotten that email that said, "Hey, do you, you know you've forgotten something? Do you want to do it?" And sometimes they even give you a discount, which I think uh, you know maybe that's not the best idea because it kind of makes you want to figure out, "Hey, I'm new cut. I'm a yeah. new client. I'm going to leave it in the <laughs> cart. Maybe you'll get a discount if I wait yeah. a day." Yeah. Um, but is there a danger that if, that if you're sending through Mailchimp and then your transactional email, emails go through Mailchimp, that that transactional email might not get delivered if you've overdone your yes. regular? Yes, if you have mail? terrible overall deliverability, it will affect all of your deliverability, and so that's something that you do really want to pay attention to. Um, But the thing to remember now, you can be a terrible sender, right? And send to hundreds of thousands of people who mark you as spam, and then you're just going to get blacklisted altogether. But typically, spam inboxes, they're unique to the user, right? So if I'm on someone's email list and they send me emails, but I don't engage with those emails, it's going to go to my spam box. But if you, Brent, are always engaging with those emails, it's not going to go to your spam, right? It is, you know, not that deliverability is not something that we should be concerned about or think about or be intentional on who it is that we're emailing and the content that we're sending. But at the same time, it's really hard to get like completely blacklisted from sending emails. So as long as you're just keeping positive practices and you're cleaning your list and staying engaged, it's not something you should really worry about. But what you do have to be careful of, especially with automation like checkout abandonment or browse abandonment, that sort of thing, is, and the laws are different everywhere. So if you are not in the States, you know, please double check all this stuff. I'm 
I'm, this is not legal advice, but <laughs> typically the first email in a checkout abandonment series is a transactional email, right? Because it was directly related to this transaction that you started with me as a business, and that is called implied consent. But anything after that, that's a marketing email, my friend. So if you've got people who haven't opted in to receive marketing from you, you want to make sure they're only getting that very first email in the flow and that the rest of them are filtered out. That's a that's a really good point. So um, uh, if you're dealing with people, especially mm-hmm. in Europe, say, that, and, and you suddenly start sending them that that could be a problem for right. you as exactly. the sender, right? And you know, there are some people who they're just like lazy, right? They're not even going to take the time to go and unsubscribe because it's actually faster to just hit the spam button in their email service provider. Doesn't actually mean you're spam, but getting a lot of those obviously will be a red flag. So you just want to make sure that you're protecting your business and following all those funky laws that are just getting more and more confusing. <laughs> I um, I used to travel to India once a year, and I stayed at this hotel. And the, after I stayed at the hotel, I got an email as a promotional email. And the first annoying thing was it was just one big image. Mm. There was no text in it. But then it didn't have an unsubscribe button. And it was I, like I, it was very annoying, and all, I, eventually spam. I just had to hit spam, right? And every once in a while, when I'm cleaning up my spam, I see the Fern <laughs> Hotel, and I'm like, oh my god, they're still they're still sending these emails that are exactly the same, and and uh, I'm not going to go back and right. stay at the Fern yeah, Hotel. Yeah, it's a really bad uh, experience to give, <laughs> and you know. I mean, I don't know any statistics on this, but people are more likely to talk about the bad experiences that they had than the good ones, right? And so even if it's not directly a customer that you've had or even someone who knows about you yet, their first impression of you might be somebody else's negative experience. And that's not too great either. Yeah, so my my follow-up on that is as a... As a sender, or if I'm the if I'm the sender, can I get that statistic from my provider? Let's just say I'm using Mailchimp, and let's assume they're using the free version of Mailchimp. Is there statistics in that where they can see that a I've never opened the email after five years now, and b um, it that email is going directly to spam? Is it or is it they have a less sophisticated? email provider that they're using. Yeah, well, it sounds like whatever they're using is not actually like an official email service provider because when you use a MailChimp or a Klaviyo, they won't even let you send an email if it doesn't have an unsubscribe link in it because that's the law. So that's weird. Um, They may just be doing like mass mail, more like a cold email strategy, which is not my thing at all. But if you are the sender... Yes, you have data on whether or not someone is engaging with your email, and you have data on if they've marked you as spam. If you are landing in people's spam folders just because they're not engaging, then no, it won't tell you that. But if someone physically took the action, 
of marking you as spam, yes, there will be a metric for that. And according to, this was data from SendGrid, who is an email platform, but people also build their own platforms on the SendGrid backend. So SendGrid sees a bajillion emails. Um, and their data, I want to say it was 2018-ish, but I could be lying. The email service, you know, Gmail, Yahoo, Hotmail, etc., they want to see a spam rate of 0.08 or less. That is their benchmark. Once you start climbing up above that, that starts to raise a red flag for them. Yeah, I imagine that's the same mm-hmm. for HubSpot and 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 upstream providers. And I've heard of people using SendGrid to clean lists and then putting <laughs> them into their Mailchimp or something, which again is completely wrong. So, um, I, I just briefly talk about trying to yeah. grow that list. Like, is there good strategies around that? It depends a little bit on your business. Uh, for e-commerce, physical products, my favorite way is a quiz, a product recommendation quiz. This works really well if you have a wide product assortment. If you have a smaller assortment, it can be more personality-ish based. Um, I have a client, she sells zero waste cleaning supplies and her business is really all about sustainability and all that. So her quiz is what kind of eco warrior are you? It does have product recommendations as well, but it's more Buzzfeed personality based. I have another client who sells candles and each of her candles has a different scent, but it also has a different name like rest calm and it's all about the emotion it's supposed to evoke while you have that candle burning so we were originally going to do a find your scent quiz but instead the quiz is going to be what do you need right now right so they can ask a little answer some questions about things that maybe they're struggling with and then we can tell them hey you need some rest here's your candle so you can be creative with it People just like to have fun, right? We're all, we could all just use a little bit more joy in whatever form that comes in. Um, And one of the really underrated ways to grow your list for a physical business is just to steal what we do in the informational space, and that is educational PDF downloads. You know, it doesn't work for every single business, but it works for a lot of them. The Giving a discount on your pop-up is really great for people who already know they want what you sell. Like they're already qualified and they're like, yeah, I'm ready to buy. Give me this discount because it minimizes the risk. Cool. But for someone who's just discovering you, I like to use the very extreme example of a mattress. If I'm shopping for a new mattress, you giving me a discount is not going to make me buy that mattress any faster right? I have to do research. I need to know what it's made of. How does it feel? What's your return policy? All that kind of stuff. But if you give me some sort of PDF download about getting better sleep, and if you tend to struggle with this, it could be because you're sleeping on memory foam, which my neck and head do not like. So like you have to really think about what goes into the buying decision for the customer and see how you can provide some education around that. The other way, and my least favorite way, is giveaways. They are great for building 
big lists, but a lot of them are just looking for free stuff. So not to say never to do a giveaway, but if you do, please, please, please clean your list afterwards because there's going to be a lot of people who are not going to engage. And then lastly, and this is probably... This is probably my number one favorite way. If you do product, new product launches in your business, so maybe you have new things that come out seasonally, that sort of thing, create launch events around these releases. Get people to sign up for early access. It's a great way to engage your existing customers and to gain new ones give them early access to things, give them some sneak peeks and all that good fun stuff, make them feel special. Um, But that's a really great list builder with people who actually want to buy what you sell. Yeah, and I'll I'll just note that uh, I do have an interview with a Shopify Mm -hmm. app developer who has an app for quizzes. And I think uh, that was a great way of keeping people engaged and just not for your email list, but just for buying things. Um, it's a great way, too, to guide people to the right product yeah. that they want. And I know that in my past life as a as an agency, we we built those type of things to help people shoe yeah, fitting or absolutely. whatever that is uh, with a bunch of questions to, to really drive them into that, uh, into that right product. Um, so, Jessica, we have a few minutes left. If you had anything you could tell somebody as, as like, for the rest of, of 2023 as a as a great bit of advice, what would keep, you give them? Yeah, for, keep showing space. up. So many of us, and, you know, man, I do this too. Anytime I'm giving someone advice, I'm like, it's because I also need to hear it. But we get so especially in e-commerce i feel like we get so caught up in the back end right like we want to tinker with all the things so our website's not perfect and this and the other thing that is not your problem 99 percent of the time that is not your problem there are a lot of ugly websites that convert really well so you know making it pixel perfect is not a thing you can have the best product in the universe but if nobody knows you exist it doesn't matter so you have to keep showing up getting in front of your perfect customer send the emails do the work and you know over the years and i don't hear this message as much maybe it's because i just got out of those retargeting ad audiences or something but like Anyone who got into e-com to like make a quick buck, you're in the wrong business, right? This takes <laughs> time and energy and you just have to put in the work. So, Yeah, I mean, I have to say that that is the best advice that I've heard, especially at, for an e-commerce store. I've had so many clients that didn't want to launch until their site was completely perfect and there's so much energy yeah. that has to go into it. And the other thing to add on to that was before, if you don't ever put it live, there's not a lot of personal ownership put on it to make it better. Once it's live and once people are transacting, everybody has so much more enthusiasm to make the site even better because they can see it and people are using it. And I can speak from experience from my own site that I'm always thinking about what can I do better 
But for something that hasn't been launched yeah. yet, it's not even on my radar. And I'm you not have, thinking about it at all. So and you such, have no data. Good. You have no data. So many people come to me and they're like, oh, you know, I really need to work on my site. It doesn't convert well. And I'm like, well, what's your conversion? They're like 2.8%. I'm like, well, the average is one to three. So conversion's not your problem. <laughs> but if you don't, if it's not live or you're not getting traffic to it, you have no data to work from and you're just flying blind and probably, look, I like to do the pretty stuff too. Okay. Cause that's more fun than showing up, putting yourself out there because we're all human and it's, you feel like sometimes you're speaking into a void on the internet. It's like anyone paying attention to this. Does anybody care? And they do. They're just not necessarily telling you that yet, but you just, you got to give it a minute. (laughs) Absolutely. So uh, Jessica, as we close out, I give everybody an opportunity to do a shameless plug. Yeah. If you are a small e-commerce business and you need help and guidance and optimization opportunities, I do have a membership. It's called The Lounge. And we focus a lot on marketing in there. And my co-host is a Facebook ad strategist. It's, I call it the best place to be on the internet to grow your traffic, sales, and profit. Um, and you can learn all about that at ecommercebadassery.com forward slash membership. But I also want to give your listeners a gift. So if they go to ecommercebadassery.com forward slash Brent, I have a gift for you there. I'm not going to tell you what it is because I'm a marketer and I have to leave a little mystery. (laughs) All right. I will make sure I get that on the show notes and uh, maybe I'll even do a little ad so I get some extra little (laughs) bonus kicks on it. Jessica, thank you so much for being here today. It's been such an enjoyable conversation. It went very quickly, and we have so yes, much more to I talk about. Yes, I could talk about this stuff all day, right? Yeah, yep. Thanks for thank having me. Thank you so much. Thank you for making it to the end of this episode of Talk Commerce. Please rate this episode wherever you download your podcasts. We are actively looking for people to participate in the free joke project. Go to talk-commerce.com and sign up for your free spot on the Free Joke Project. If you are a business, I will do a 30-second elevator pitch in the spot to help promote your business. That's talk-commerce.com.